Welcome back. It is the middle of January 2022, and that means it is book awards season. I thought it would be a great opportunity to kind of help you help y'all get ahead of the curve, get a little competitive edge. I see a lot of people debating on Facebook groups. Should I enroll? Should I register? Should I even try for book awards? The answer is always yes. If you can afford it, it is always absolutely worth entering book awards because no matter what, you will emerge with something. You will always get something out of a book awards competition, nomination, anything of the sort, even if you don't win the major prize. But if you do win the major prize, you also tend to get some money out of that. So woohoo, ka-ching! <laughs> So today's episode, we're going to dive in because here, here's a fun fact that you may or may not know about me, and I'm going to guess you probably don't know because I honestly keep forgetting to mention it. I actually am a book awards judge. I have actually been part of a judging panel for a regional, um, yeah, the Northeast Independent Book Awards uh, last year. And, and I've, I've judged actually before too, but that was the first major one. So when I talk about what it takes to be in book awards, I'm actually pulling out my old rubrics. I'm pulling out my old forms. I'm pulling out like literally what are these panels looking for? What are these organizations looking for? How do they rank? What is even going to make it to the next round? And and also we could talk a little bit about like, where are those fees going? Why do they charge fees, et cetera, et cetera. So Sit down, hand in tight, maybe even pull out notes. And, and if you want to really, really get some bonus advantage out of this podcast episode, uh, check out the link in the show notes because I created a really fun, really easy to follow and use checklist so you could take a look at your book that you might be considering entering to make sure that it at least fits the rubric pretty well. So let's get to it. You're listening to the Pen and Quill podcast, a weekly podcast about writing, editing, publishing, but most importantly, the art of storytelling. I'm your host, Nikki Aubrakit, author, editor, and cultural anthropologist. Okay, so let's start with the first main question a lot of people have. Should I even invest in a book awards? One, many. I honestly personally say if you can afford to sign up and register for as many book awards, contests, panels, anything as possible, because it's kind of like if you remember applying for scholarships or even applying for colleges or really applying for a job, you know, the more you send out, the higher your, your chance are, you're going to win something. You're going to get something. You'll get somebody calling you for an interview. You'll get somebody offering you a scholarship, you know, a wide net still catches a fish, right? Um, but even if you don't have that kind of budget right now, being the month of January means that you can save a considerable amount of money if you register now before January 31st. If you're listening to this and it's after January 31st, don't worry. Um, there are, sometimes there's scholarships available. Sometimes you can just even ask friends or family. You'd really, really be surprised. I hate using that phrase, ask your friends or family, because that was used constantly when I was in college. Like, oh, you can't pay for your basic survival? Ask your friends or family. And I'm like, they're broke too. <laughs> but when it comes to you know, when it comes to your baby, your book, you'd be really surprised to see how many people actually step in and help you make that happen. But that being said, um, should you do it? Absolutely. Now, I know that the next number one question that comes after that, because I see this all the time on Facebook posts and groups, is this bitterness towards the registration fee. Like, I shouldn't have to pay to be an awards panel. Here's where that's actually going. The judges don't get paid. I want to make that clear because I've been a judge. Um, I did not get paid. This is purely voluntary. It's quite an honor to be selected to be a judge. That was a win for me, even though I didn't have a novel competing. I, I still was like, yes, awesome. I, I was offered and I went on and it was fantastic. And they really thoroughly thanked me. I think I'll actually, 
be in a couple panels this year. At least one, if not a couple. So that, and I, I'm not going to tell you which ones because I don't want to, like, <laughs> if you go, oh, I'm going to apply to that one. Um, I'll, I'll, because I'll let you know, even if, even if you were to know, even if I knew and told you, um, I'm ruthless. I'm very ruthless. We'll talk about what goes into that in a second. But when it comes back to, like, why is there a fee? A lot of it is operational costs. I mean, when you go to the website, having that website costs money. You know this from your author platform. You may have an email list. You may have your own website. Um, you may have a blog. Well, however you have your platform structured, you know that even to operate it on the most minimal budget possible to successfully operate it, to get out of it what you're trying to get out of it, it does require some overhead expenses, even the electricity it takes to run your computer to run these platforms. That's where that's a majority of where the fee goes. Another significant portion of it goes to actually acquiring the book. Now, some awards panels will actually have you either electronically submit via ebook or they'll have you submit like mail in snail mail, a, a physical copy. And most of them will actually give you the option. I am going to give you a pro tip right now. When given the option, always ship in your book. Do not, if you can, if you can tween it, do not just stick with the ebook. And here's why. Ebooks only go so far. Yes, their strength and, you know, they'll be focusing on, on your, uh, your manuscript side of it, you know, the text and the story and all, which, you know, all, all book awards obviously do focus on. But they miss out on truly seeing the extent of everything else, the extent of the typography, the extent of the printing quality, the extent of the book cover design. There is a lot more to be said about having a physical copy. Sometimes, though, there's not a way to do that. And that's, again, where part of the fee goes. Now, the Book Awards panel that I was part of last year, they used the fee, the entry fee, to order the books to send to the judges. So I, while I didn't get paid to do anything and I didn't have to pay to do anything, um, it was actually kind of fun. I got to go to the mail and get my box. I mean, and, yeah, and get my books and pop those open and, and dive in. And that was kind of nice, kind of like a little mini happy birthday Christmas. <laughs> to me. Uh, and, and so that that's really where the fees are going to. It's just making sure everything's operational. I will say, I think the more expensive, I just see this pattern, the more expensive the fees, the more likely it is they're actually shipping the books to the judges on your behalf. Because here's the other thing too. You cannot know which judge is is working on your book. You'll never know. Just like there are, there are a couple authors out there who have absolutely no idea that I'm the one who, who sent them the rubric. It's completely anonymous. And so that being said, there's a lot of shipping and handling that goes as that middleman with, with the uh, competition. That's where your money's really going. It's not padding some bottom line. Nobody actually, maybe maybe like five or 10 bucks out of that $69 fee goes into the the kitty, you know, the, the, the prize pool or whatever. But most of it's operational and shipping and handling. So people can actually read your novel. So that answers that question. Those are the two number, like they're the equal and the same level. Number two, number one questions is, should I enter? And why do I have to pay to enter? There you go. Should you answer? Yes. Why do you have to pay shipping and handling and operational costs? That's basically it to make sure that. And, and honestly, I think if I remember correctly, they outright purchase the books um, if they did go that way. So you actually make a couple bucks back. So, you know, shush. <laughs> I, I see so many people get so salty about this. And I'm like, shut up and accept the prize money. Okay. <laughs> but I'll be honest, whenever I see somebody get salty about anything to do with publishing, books, marketing, it's usually somebody who has not wanted to put much effort in or they say they have they're like, I work my butt off, but really they're not. I'm just being honest. This is maybe this is me being salty. OK, forgive me for my moment of <sighs> moving on. So what actually happens? Like, what do we look for in book awards? It's important to know this because you need to ensure, I think, I'm just saying this like for your own peace of mind, you need to, as much as you want to, ensure that what you're sending in 
meets even the basic rubric and and the rubrics that I use the and, and what I put into the checklist that you should absolutely download because it's free um these are pretty universal honestly and I have to say <laughs> I felt terrible because the books I was sent were of quality that coined the phrase my mind painfully self-published there is nothing wrong with being self-published I mean I my entire career now is focused on supporting self-published authors but you gotta put some effort in if you anticipate any sort of accolade and I mean any sort of accolade even if it's a four-star review at Amazon with a thumbs up sign that says great you still have to put effort in. And really the books I was receiving to judge and really judge fairly, some effort was put in. I, I, they, were not, they were not of the quality that should have been submitted. I feel terrible for saying that, but I wanted to let you know, like here, here's the perspe- perception of a judge. We do see these things. We do see books being submitted that were like, oh, no, this is not competition quality. If you think about like the Olympics, and I know like book awards aren't really Olympics, but you know, Pulitzer is. <laughs> but you think about like the Olympics or even football games or any sort of athletic competition or music competition, any sort of other competition. You can't just show up. You have to prepare yourself. Can you imagine if, if someone went to compete side by side with Olympic gymnasts at the Olympics, the Summer Olympics, with the torch and everything, and they only yesterday learned how to do a somersault. They haven't stretched. They haven't eaten properly. I'm basically describing myself. Um, it would be hilarious to watch me completely faceplant on that tarmac, but I cannot anticipate or rightfully expect any sort of victory from that. I can expect a lot of laughter and a lot of probably infamy, you know, fame, but infamy <laughs> from all the YouTube videos and TikToks of me just completely biffing it. But I didn't prepare for the Olympic gymnast competition. And that's what I mean when it's like, you do have to prepare for the scenes. You need to make sure that what you're submitting in any competition, whether it's yourself or your product, whether it's yourself or your food or your song or whatever it is that's being judged, you have to prepare it. And that's what this is ultimately about. Do not submit if it has not been edited. I'm not even going to start the summary evaluation or anything like that without this saying this. If your novel, and, and listen to me, I keep reading my lips, listen to my lips flapping against the microphone. If your manuscript and your novel was not professionally edited, do not submit to an awards of any kind. You will only waste your money. It sounds so harsh and I feel like I'm like, oh my gosh, I sound so, it's so true though. Your book will be closed. They will never finish reading it. I'll be honest. It was a struggle for me to finish reading the couple ones that I did receive. Were they professionally edited? It's questionable. They weren't terrible, but I can tell at least with one of them, they definitely did not have a developmental editor work with them. And if they did, that developmental editor needs to go, needs to go back into some courses for training. It was not good, <laughs> which means they spent anywhere from 70 to $150 to have a very lengthy rubric sent back about what was wrong. And I, I, like I said, I feel bad. I'm not a mean person. I actually, my heart breaks. I feel really bad. But this, this is what I mean. You have to prepare. So again, write this down. Make it your mantra. Edit before submission. This is so true for everything. If you're looking to traditionally publish, edit before submission. If you're looking to self-publish, edit before submission. If you're looking for book awards in either realm, because there's there's awards for both, edit before submission. So maybe in this case, maybe you do have your book in your hand. You're like, oh, no, I just self-edited this. That's okay. You probably still have the electronic cop- copy. Message me on, on Instagram. 
email us, do something, we'll talk. We'll figure out what we can do to get that cleaned up and ready to go. The nice thing is, is we are, we, we do have packages for like, you know, from the rough draft to, to the bookshelf stage, but we also can do things individually. So maybe you did actually invest in a cover designer, but you did not invest in an editor. And you're like, listening to this, you're like, ooh, um, that's okay, that's fine. We can just individually do, just do the edit. That's no problem. Or maybe vice versa. Maybe you're like, yes, solid. I have this edited. Now I'm concerned about the cover. Uh, that's okay. Our cover designer, Ben, he's amazing. He will he will pull something together that is just stunning. And if you don't believe me, just go to our website. It, it, all the covers are his and they're just phenomenal. So that being said, now that I'm off my, my like, <laughs> Here's, here's a breakdown of what we actually look for and what, what other awards panels actually look for. And this is a summary. Like I said, it's a summary. It's an average. There's four primary categories that are examined. They're not all weighed equally, but they all are very important. And even the smallest one can break the uh, overall impression. And I'll talk about that in a second. Um, and that, that one actually, no, let's just talk about it now. That one being your book cover. <laughs> the book cover um, in the rubric, the sample rubric that I, that I designed that you can absolutely download accounts for about 10% of the overall score. But then there's the question at the end. Is this a book that you would be proud to nominate as or even just see as the book of the year? If that book cover isn't the quality of like a traditional publishing house level, even if you had a stellar story that was completely flawless, if that book cover ain't up to par, it's not happening. The answer is going to be no. And that is an actual question. I'm actually reading the question right off the rubric I had last year from one of the panels. Would you be proud to have this book, you know, see, see it become book of the year? And I had to say no for all of them. Um, even though one of them actually was a really good story and I still like it and I'll probably give it to the kids in my family because it was a really good book. Um, terrible book cover. It really was. And it, it, it would, it would honestly be a little embarrassing to see it as, as a book of the year. Again, it feels so harsh to say that, but this is the reality of what goes, that's only 10%, but that's a very powerful 10%. So questions to consider, and I have this again on the worksheet, is the overall design appealing to the reader? Does it grab attention? Does it catch the eye? And here's a really important question that I should have highlighted, but I didn't, so I'm highlighting it now verbally. Does it fit to the tone slash theme of the book's content? That is so important. If you want a quick like gauge on this, find a group of people, whether they're friends, families, uh, uh, associates, like complete strangers on Facebook or Instagram, just without any other context, put up the book cover, show them the book cover and just ask, what do you think this book is about? If the answers are pretty close, if not dead on, you, the answer to the question, does it fit to the tone and theme? Yes, is yes. And you're good. Most of the time though, the answer is no. Most of the time, the responses are very different. I actually uh, recently looked at one and love the title, love the story. I mean, it was all good. Um, it's a fictional novel. The cover actually gave me the very, I thought I was going in to read a nonfiction book on business. I really did. Um, and, and I wasn't mad about that at all. I was like, no, this, this, I'm excited to read about you know, your business and, and workplace stuff and corporate stuff. And I was very surprised. Like, oh, this is fiction. Okay. Again, it wasn't a bad cover. It wasn't a bad novel. It was all good individually, but together a little misleading <laughs> because fiction novels are, are designed a bit differently. Um, now, one, uh, now I'll go to an actual book awards example. I'm very careful to not mention names or titles and stuff because I do respect everybody. I respect you. I respect everybody that I have ever had to analyze or assess or, or judge. <laughs> everybody I've ever had to judge. Because um, you know, I recognize hard work was put into this. Absolutely, fully, a thousand percent recognize and appreciate hard work was put into this. Um, that being said, the guidance, this is where guidance comes in. So one of the books that I looked at 
And this is actually one where the, the story was really good. And, and the illustrations, they were hand-drawn by the author. They were really good. I even put the note in the rubric. I'm like, this honestly reminded me of like C.S. Lewis. When you're reading through Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, you have those little sketches of the little creatures huddled around the fire with Edward and, and Susan. And, and I thought it was really cool. The book cover made it look like it was uh, Christian fiction. And I thought it was going to be Christian fiction, maybe like young adult or like uh, high school level, middle, you know, it was a little have to be middle school, but you know what I mean? Like, because the color tone, the quality and the font, if anything, it was the font. It's a font and I can't, I don't even know what the font's called, but the font itself is one that you really only ever see, honestly, you really only ever see used in Christian literature, whether fiction or nonfiction, because even though the letters are English, it emulates uh, Hebrew, the Hebrew alphabet and the, like the way that the letters are uh, formed. <laughs> so I let them know. I'm like, there's nothing wrong with the cover and there's nothing really wrong with the book, but here is the impression it gives. It, it was rather misleading. I was actually very surprised to find out that the book had literally nothing to do with the cover, like, you know, what I thought was going to be based on the cover and all these least indications. So that's like, when we're looking at the book cover, it's only three questions really to think about, but they're three very powerful questions. Is the overall design appealing to the reader? That means also no clip art. If you have to use clip art, blend those edges. Do as the makeup artists do and Photoshop the absolute heck out of those edges. I should not be able to tell as clip art. Yes, most, if not all, book covers, even the ones from HarperCollins and Penguin Random House, it's all image composition. I had some guy message me and he got really mad at the price of our book cover package. He's like, it's just all image uh, manipulation and composition. I'm like, yeah, so is literally every book cover. Whether you do it correctly or not is a completely different matter. And he's like, oh, well, okay. And I'm saying that because he was kind of rude. He was. He was very rude. And it came to the point where I had to tell him, like, it sounds like you know exactly what you're doing. So good luck with that. Uh, don't don't message me just to rip apart me and my colleagues work like very hard work especially when you're hiring because you don't know how to do it you know what I mean like that that was okay I'm getting salty again but that, that was what was going on uh but yeah no like even even Twilight that is image manipulation 50 Shades of Grey image manipulation you know so I always go back to those two series one is self-published and massively successful and also fan fiction of Twilight which was uh not even intended to be published it was her friend who submitted the original draft but anyways, you know, just very like unlikely heroes, you know, the underdogs that rose, rose to heights. Um, but even the Harry Potter original book covers, yes, was that original artwork? Absolutely. Was it still manipulated and composite in all? Yes, also true. And you also have to remember when it was actually originally published. We didn't have as powerful technology as we do today. You'll notice more recent editions, a lot more just image manipulation. That is to say, all going back to, is it appealing? It has to look good. It has to look professional. You, you know, does your book cover look like Penguin Random House just worked their magic? If it doesn't, message me, email us, get a hold of Tala somehow, let us see what we can do. Especially if you already have the files, like the original files, it's just a matter of like, you know, smoothing them over. That's easy. That we can work with. You know, if you want something from scratch, because Ben is amazing, um, we've done that too. Whatever you want, just let us know because we'll help you get that cover in line. That, Like I said, that 10% is a very powerful 10%. The next 10% is the book design. Does the chosen artwork complement the story and the theme? Like if you if you have artwork, which you should, um, even even if there's no like full illustrations, you should still have artistic elements in there. Little little scribbles, little scroll work, little filigrees, whatever. Any sort of artwork, does it complement the story and the theme? It should. And also, like I said, you should have some. I should have added that. Do you have any? <laughs> you really and that and you're like, what? Why? What is that? That is actually what falls under typography. That's why we have a typographer. If you look at Christie's book, uh, Truvai, which is absolutely stunning and gorgeous, there's artwork all over the place. It's small. It's delicate. It doesn't take away, but it from from the story, but it absolutely fits to the theme. Is the font easy to read? 
That's that's a tricky one. Now, <laughs> let me qualify this. this is why I'm doing a walkthrough. It should be easy to read, but not too easy. Okay. I shouldn't feel like I have the large print edition. Okay. It should be standard. And I say that because I actually do have a, a book that I had to evaluate and assess like, like for our panel. And um, I'm like, I feel like either I have accidentally the large print edition or they don't realize just how, whoa, this font is. Um, so when in doubt, when in doubt, Times New Roman, Times New Roman, you could never go wrong with when it comes to print. Baskerville is your ebook sweet spot. Baskerville is actually really, really highly uh, requested among our clients because it's not Times New Roman. It's, you know, it's more unique, but also it's printable and viewable across platforms. All the printers, all the eBooks, Kindle, Apple, Google, all the, everybody, all the things everywhere, they love Baskerville um, just as much, as much as they love Times New Roman. Do not use Comic Sans unless your book is specifically for people who struggle with dyslexia. That is the only time Comic Sans is ever permitted, is if the text is specifically for people with dyslexia, because it actually has been scientifically proven to be the ideal font for people with dyslexia. That being said, uh, most of your book awards will not be paneled by people who have dyslexia, so don't use Comic Sans. And don't use Arial. I say a big no-no. I should should create a whole new list for this, a big no-no list. Do not use Arial. Do not use Comic Sans. Uh, do not, you, really honestly, you should use a serif. Sans serif is very off-putting. You should use a serif font. Serif font just means that the, the end points of each letter have a little flip to it. It's more appealing. Um, but make sure that it's easy to read. Again, this is why we have a typographer. We, with, with her book, with Truvai, it was gorgeous to read on screen. And then we printed a proof copy and holy crap, was that tiny. <laughs> it was, it was really small. And so we had to resubmit and reprint and with a larger font. Um, would we recommend a 16 point font for all manuscripts? Absolutely not. Is the mango font in Truvai 16 point? Yes, because it prints on the equivalent of a 12 point Times New Roman. If everything I just said sounded like um, DM us, <laughs> DM me, message me, email us, contact Tala Editorial through any means necessary. We'll hook you up with Christy. We'll, the, we'll even get you a free consultation with her. Consider this your podcast coupon. Um, like I said, if all that just sounded like that means you need a typographer. That means you just have a book former book former editor to take a look at it. And again, you could have this is great because you could have a really stunning cover. You could have a flawless, perfect, really catching and memorable story. Maybe the book formatting is just, eh. or maybe maybe it's okay, but you want it to be just outstanding. This is another example of something that's actually fairly quick and easy. It's about a week turnaround. Um, so if you have a, a book awards deadline coming up at the end of this month, um, get a hold of us now, today, and we'll have it to you in the week. Um, and Christy's actually pretty pretty quick at things. So I say week because I'm being generous. <laughs> um, now, and the last question in this section of the, of the book design rubric Um any unique elements that make this book stand apart? So, okay, I already started talking about that. Are there any unique elements that make this book stand apart? Pulling Truvai again into example, there is actually, and this is, has been a really great selling point for bookstores. Like, oh my gosh, look at that. Always makes it very easy to convince bookstore retailers to carry this novel. Um, I even got coffee shops to carry this novel. <laughs> um, we put little passport stamps before each section, every time there's a uh, scene change between countries, because it's a globe-trotting novel, globe novel. So every time Sienna changes country, maybe she goes from Paris back to Wales. Well, that page right before the chapter where she's back in Wales has a passport stamp for Wales. It's, it's easy and it's, it's fun, it's unique, and not all books do that. It definitely sets it apart. What that does ultimately is show you care about your novel, that you genuinely take the quality of your work 
seriously. Going back to you have to show up prepared. This, things like this, those little elements, the, the things that make your book stand apart aside from just the text, really position yourself as someone who's like, no, I take this very seriously and I want you to have the best, most immersive experience in my novel as possible. So that's another 10% that even though it's only 10%, it's a powerful 10%. All right, moving on. Impact on reader is actually 20%. It's interesting. Like it's a little bit bigger. It's 20% of the of the full rubric. Is the message, the overall message of the novel, is it powerful? Is it unique? Is the concept unique? Or is the approach to the concept unique? Does the book say anything compelling or significant to the reader. So I'm, I'm going to take practice and exam because the whole series, I'm actually very open on this because it's, it's not so much a content warning as it is, you know, like a, a general content warning. The whole four book series that is you know, being started with Prax that's coming out in April is addressing serious issues in human trafficking. So there is something very compelling about that. And there's very something very significant about that. I'm using a lot of other things to be the engine for it. But no, the first book is one aspect of human trafficking. The second book is a different aspect of human trafficking. The third book is a, yet another aspect. Human trafficking is not just kidnapping and slavery. There are a lot of different ways human trafficking actually happens. And so I'm using the series to discuss it. That's a really good example of where the impact on the reader category looks at it, looks at like, what is being said? Is it significant? Um, is there a message being conveyed? And if you're like, well, I just wrote a romance novel and they love each other. That's great. There's nothing wrong with that. Is there a message that you maybe could pull out of it to, to help move along, to help kind of, um, show this, like maybe healthy relationships versus toxic relationships, uh, maybe past trauma and how she don't need no man, but it's nice that he's around. You know, like you find ways to, to have some sort of message, even if you feel like your story is like, oh, well, it's just boy meets girl, meet cute. Well, you know, humans are still in depth. So, so see if we can pull out of that. If you need help, figuring out and getting the answer to this, this is where getting a novel assessment done before you submit is, is your best move. That is something that I do personally. I've actually just revamped the rubric, got some really good feedback from um, somebody I did it for. I'm like, hey, just let me know how you like the new one and I'll give you the old one as well. And already they were like, wow, no, have some notes, but I really like this. So if you want to make sure that your impact, that your message is powerful, the concept's unique, that your book does actually say something compelling and significant to the reader, um, but you don't want to break the bank, the novel assessment is absolutely the best way to go. And that's easy to schedule. Um, you can go to our website, you can contact me directly, I'll help you get set up. And that, again, only takes about a week. Now, the fourth, the fourth category is the heftiest category, and it's the final category. <laughs> and this is the book content. Now, I didn't write this question down, but it is a solid question. Will it keep me up at night <laughs> or will it make me go to sleep? <laughs> and I say that because it sounds so, I like, oh my gosh, it sounds so snotty. But it's true. I actually, and I've, I've actually fallen asleep during thrillers. Like, it's not anything about the book. Like, I just, I love reading. I used to read all the time as a child until I slept. So I think I kind of conditioned myself. But when, but when you've got something that's really compelling, when basically when you've nailed that impact on the reader category, the book content kind of starts to stand on its own. Um, and so the questions in here are, is the narrative consistent and cohesive? That's so important. Are the characters well developed? I want to take a moment to talk about this because I, I have a book that I had to uh, evaluate. And I've also had some manuscripts, plural, come in recently that were good. But this is a question that was was definitely discussed. And this is a question I had to make notes on. Actually, the one I made hefty notes on. Your characters are absolutely welcome to be flawed. They don't have to be perfect. They can be problematic. But it needs to be somehow justified. Now, let me clarify that. 
let's say your let's say your main character is Dexter, okay, and he's a serial killer, and we all know like you really shouldn't root for the guy, or even they think of Breaking Bad, you really shouldn't root for him because he's a criminal who's like murdering half the half the nation. But like, it's, there's a lot of it's just everything is just going wrong. He's making all these terrible decisions. At the same time, though, you still have some sympathy for him because it establishes at the very very beginning what's going on without his illness and without his uh, financial troubles, he probably would have never gone down that path. So you do kind of, even though you're like, dude, I can't really condone this. You just, you do still kind of root for him because you know where he came from. And that's what I mean. Uh, so when I'm going back to the book where I had to evaluate the number one turnoff in the entire story were the two main characters. It was actually the, the main character. Oh, was that a turnoff? And he, oh, oh, he, this, this dude, he was so misogynistic, so full of himself, so just, I wanted to punch him after the third page. It was bad. And I wasn't sure if this was intentional. And that's what I mean by establishing the reason behind it. And this is good, even if you don't do book awards, this is this good developmental editing tips right here. <laughs> If your main character is a complete jerk and hated by all, and you're just kind of like the Grinch, you know, hated by all, but you're following him along because there's something to it, establish early, and I mean first chapter early, why your reader should follow them at all. Now, the book that I had to evaluate for a panel, there was no good reason. It was just you know, well, he's the main character. I'm like, I don't care. I hate the guy. And actually, Ben can tell you this. He sent me one of his manuscripts right after he published The Weight of Our Tears. And he was like, this is the next one I'm working on. What do you think? And he sent me the first chapter. I didn't get past the first page. I sent it right back because I hate it. He's like, why? I said, I can't, I can't get past the first page. I hate this guy. And he's like, well, he's supposed to be problematic. I'm like, yeah, but I mean, that's just, mm, no. I, I hate the, the narrative is so... No, <laughs> I was so triggered. Like it was, it was, and, and, and he's it's not, it wasn't all badly written. He's a very, very talented author. He's an award-winning author. Ben, our cover designer, has actually won awards. Um, he hates when I bring that up because he's so private about it and he doesn't want people going like, oh my gosh, which ones? Uh, but no, I think one of them actually was a, uh, it was a Reader's Choice Award, um, yeah, a couple, when I was going through the list, I made a list of book awards. He actually won a couple of them years ago. Not too long ago, actually, just a few years ago. Um, so he is a very, very, very skilled, talented, gifted author. I still hated <laughs> that, that character, that manuscript. He actually ended up setting aside. He's working on a different one right now, um, which I do love because that, okay, and, and here's, here's a perfect example. The manuscript he is working on that he's been working on the main character is still very cantankerous, very unpleasant, very grumpy, just and kind of rude. But you like him. You know, he's endearing. He's got his qualities. So you put up with it. That's such a, a good example of what I mean by you give, you've got to have well-developed characters. Make sure that there's reasons for why they're flawed as they are. And make sure that they're individual and unique. One-dimensional characters will kill your novel and also kill your chances at, at winning anything, let alone winning readers. Does the plot make sense? The plot needs to make sense. You'd think this wouldn't be an issue, but it is, um, especially when you get into science fiction and fantasy. Um, and I've, I've read an already published work where I let them know, I'm like, it's not at all badly written. It's just... It doesn't make sense because the placement of these paragraphs are really just, it kind of looked like they took a really, really good story, cut it up into pieces, threw it into a margarita shaker, shook it up, spilled it out, glued it back together and said, here, here's a book. Now, all of them individually were actually really good. And was it good quality writing? Absolutely. Was it assembled well? No. So the plot suffered under it. The plot just didn't make sense. That's an example of, again, where it's not like there's anything wrong. It's just you really need to have an editor take a look at it to figure that. A, a novel assessment will also take a look at this. Like if you handed it to me and you're like, 
I want a novel assessment. I don't have time or money for the edit, but I do want to get the assessment. It will, I will be able to let you know, does the plot make sense? I could easily first five pages let you know. And that's another like tip for if you're looking for traditional publishing. The first five pages, we should be able to see that the plot makes sense. Is the content free from typographical errors? It needs, it must be free from typographical errors. If you submit your work and has not been professionally edited, and I will say this again, and my mouth is very, very close to the mic, professionally edited, not grammarly, not self-edit, not I stepped away and then went back with fresh eyes, no, professionally edited. If you have not had somebody else who is a trained professional (laughs) edit your work, there is a 99.9% probability that your book has typographical errors. Now, can a book have typographical errors even after going through several layers of editing? Absolutely. I've seen some that are actually represented by major literary agents and published by major publishing houses. They still have typographical errors, but here's the thing, they're forgiven. I've seen books come out of Harper Collins. I've seen books come out of Penguin Random House. Have a few misspellings here and there. You know what happens? Sometimes the software just doesn't translate it. And I mean, I'm being serious. Like sometimes it was edited and it gets sent off to printers and oh my gosh, it's suddenly incorrect. It's actually happened with your eye. I swear to you, I read that thing. <laughs> And I and she read it and we all read it. We we ran through the proofs before we even printed it. We printed it. We did the proofread. I mean, this thing was read consistently by multiple eyes. And actually, there's like 20 people who read it and only one person found typographical errors, but they, she still found them. She's now our line editor. <laughs> I'm like, I need you. I need your eyeballs. Well, she found them because she's trained. Uh and so are we, so am I, but she found them because, because she hadn't seen it before, you know? And so, so like I said, it happens when you can have it professionally edited and you can even have it traditionally published and gone through the eight layers of professional editing plus formatting plus all that and still have typographical errors. But by that time when that happens, it's forgivable nobody cares and literally even in the audience for the debut of true they didn't care like oh it's funny okay cool uh did not impact reviews did not make it did not make any sort of negative negative impact at all whatsoever maybe on my sanity but because <laughs> christy's like it's okay i swear and here i am like literally slamming my head in the desk <laughs> um but no like and this is me being transparent like to error is human Uh, To forgive is divine, which makes Christy a goddess. (laughs) Um, It happens. When I get salty and when I'm saying, like, you have to have it professionally edited, it's when someone hands in a book that obviously has not been professionally treated or cared for in any way whatsoever. And when it looks like that, it also looks like the author just doesn't care. Even if that's not true, that's what it looks like. And so then when the typographical errors occur, we're like, oh, yeah, well, figures. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. Um, So at the same time, though, you can give me a stunning looking novel with all the perfect typography and the story is really good. If there is a page of just solid wall typographical errors, it's still going to hurt. Just just a little bit. Maybe not as much as the entire book is like that, but it is still going to hurt. I'm like, okay, what happened? What happened here? So again, just have somebody take a look at it. And that's another thing that a novel assessment can do as well. I can skim through and let you know how many typographical errors there are. Now, maybe not by number, but I could let you know, like, if it's one or two, I'll let you know right away. Like, hey, on page 63, third paragraph, second line in where it starts here, you need to change that because novel assessments are done on PDFs. I can't go in and change it myself. Um, If it's riddled, with typographical errors, I will put in the assessment recommendation, strong recommendation, almost requirement prior to publication, minimum copy edit, minimum. So just to summarize, because that was a lot to talk about, just to summarize, just to recap, 
You have your book cover design, which is 10% of your overall grade. You have the book design, another 10% of your overall grade. The impact on the reader, which is 20%. And then you have the book content, which is 60%. One through those categories in depth so you can know this is exactly what we're looking for. So if you're looking at the, the checklist workbook that I created, and maybe you're thinking, oh, I'm not, but I should. Yeah, you should. Um, uh, that, that actually, I was going off the, the chart on page two. On page three, or the third page, they actually numbered them. It's the, the 2022 Book Awards Comprehensive Checklist. This is just something for you to print off for each book that you're looking to submit. Um, and then just go, it's same categories. Um, the, is the overall composition clean, artistic, professional appearance? Check it off. The text is aligned with appropriate space for margins and spine crease. Check it off. Back cover slash inside jacket blurb is cohesive and appealing. Check it off. Go through and just check each thing. I'm not going to read it all because of time, <laughs> but go through, check it off at anything that you don't have checked. Again, it's free to email me. It's free to DM me. I don't put you behind a paywall until we're talking about something that's going to take me hours to do. That is the rule of thumb with Tala Editorial. We don't put you behind a paywall until it's something that's going to take, honestly, longer than 30 minutes to do. Because um, we have we do have like consultations, like one-off consultations available for purchase. But generally, just inquiries, professional opinions, all the, it's, that's free. That's free. So if you go through this checklist, you go through and you have a couple spots that you weren't able to check off, message us, email me, email the company, whatever you need to do, contact us so we can help you figure out the best plan of action. And, and please don't be like, I can't pay for that. Um, we can still give you the best plan of action with your budget in consideration. We're very, very good about that because we all individually understand uh, the starving artist's life. <laughs> the final question on this page is, again, a question I asked earlier, but I actually did write this down for you to really, really end all, do all, evaluate. Does this book appear and feel like it's traditionally published? Uh, so you should be able to answer yes. If you can circle yes on that yes, no spot, does this book appear and feel like a traditionally published? Yes. Your book is ready to go. Send it in. Register for those awards. If the answer is no, contact me. Contact Tala Editorial. We'll help, again, help you figure out a plan. Turn that no into a yes. The final page in this workbook, and this is the final thing for, for you to know if you don't have the workbook and you're just listening. I, I did add a, a final page, notable book, book awards. Now, there's 12 book awards. I researched, looked up. I also researched to see like which ones are really friendly towards self-published uh, authors. And there's a lot, actually. There's like a lot more for that than there are for traditional. But anyways, um, these are national and a couple international. So these are available to everybody, regardless of domestic location, and then in some cases, international location. Um, so there's like the Page Turner Awards, the Next Generation Indie Book Awards, the Indie Reader Discovery Awards, um, Reader's Favorite Award Contest. One of these is actually also offering free reviews. So I can't, I'm looking, I'm like, I can't remember which one it is. I think it is the reader's favorite. Anyways, um, one of these actually, actually does offer free reviews, but go to their websites. I put the websites on the, on the sheet. Um, check them out. A lot of them right now, if you're listening to this before January 31st, the majority of these awards that I have on this worksheet, um, do actually have discounted registration fees right now. So take advantage of that. Um, but I also organized in chronological order. So from top to bottom is the soonest due. So there's a couple due like literally February 11th, February 15th, February 19th. And then there's a couple that aren't due until September 30th, October 1st. Um, the page Turner awards didn't have a date available, but they do have an email list to sign up for. I signed up for it, so I can't let you guys know when the date gets debuted. Uh, but do yourself a favor, go to the page turnerawards.com and sign up for their email list so you can stay on top of that. It's a really sweet prize because again, it's not just about the medal or the trophies or the annoying stickers that it's annoying to the readers. It's fun for you <laughs> to see on the covers. Um, it's money. A lot of times there's cash prizes. So, you know, get that sweet, sweet money. Sweet, sweet, da da da, -da. <laughs> uh, But the note I also put on here that I also want to let you know, again, in case you don't have the workbook in front of you, 
This list is only a few of the top national and international award programs for 2022. Definitely check with your local library. Check with your local bookstores. Check with your local writing and publishing groups. Um, if you're in Chicago, check with Printer's Road. Check with the Lit Fest people, like anybody you connected with. Because I have a whole like book I have to go through of, of uh, organizations I need to enroll in for this year. Um, there are typically regional award programs, local award programs, anything you're able to involve in to get some sort of accolade where you could say, you can accurate say, accurately say, I'm an award-winning author. Do it, man. Do it. And the more local it is, the more likely it's affordable. <laughs> And, you know, and the more you're going to get at least the local support, like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know you wrote a book. Well, now you do. Uh, You know, now they do. This is great. This is great. So I made that note that the list is absolutely not all the book awards. It's more the national. But if you want to really stretch your expanse, look at the local resources. Check out. See, your library might have some awards. Sometimes they do have like a, a Reader's Choice Award where people read books and let know what their favorite are, favorites are. Whew, I should have added that to the workbook, but I did it. So I'll add that now and I'll put that in the blog post, which is on Medium now. Woohoo! Um, it has to have its own individual ISBN purchased through Bowker. As long as it does, yeah, your library can absolutely carry it, which means you're now open to those contests that they might have with, with the readership, with the people, the community. Um, just, just some, like, like I said, pro tips, tricks. Um, if you're listening and you're like, wow, I really, really want to download this checklist. The link is in the show notes. It's really cool. I had, I had my team take a look at it and they're like, woo, it's pretty. There's also an option too. If you're just, um, listening in, if you're new to Tala Editorial, if you're new to me, welcome. And you want to get the book awards checklist. There's also in the sign up form, there is a little box that asks, do you also want the self-publishing planner? If you do not have a copy of the updated self-publishing planner, do yourself a favor and check that box and it will send you the new self-publishing planner. It should, if it doesn't, email me, but it should. Added some things, added ISBN fees, added a couple other things I hadn't considered when I first made it and and also some updates in the industry that have now uh, changed a couple things as far as time and and, and investments, like financial investments. Um, It's updated as well. And it's also updated for the new Tala editorial branding. So there's just, suffice it to say, we have resources upon resources. Um, and a lot of it's free. A lot of it's free resources because we want you to be well-educated and well-prepared going into your authorship career. It's not just about your platform. It's also about your product. So that's it for today. Like I said, the, the link to download is in the show notes. Uh, the link to contact us if you want a novel assessment, if you want me to take a look at it, if you just want to talk to somebody, me, or even like our typographer, our book, our book designer, book cover designer about like, hey, what are my options if I just need a little bit of a cleanup here? Like everything else is solid. Yeah, absolutely. I'll put those all in the show notes uh, down below. And do yourself a favor and do us a favor. Check us out. Check out the new blog, uh, the new uh publication blog on medium follow us on medium the more subscribers we get the better and it also shows us what you're looking to read Um, i'm even posting more short stories so that's gonna be fun Uh, um and just and guys have a fantastic weekend